Welcome to Big News Wednesday. In fact, it's a big post-election Wednesday. We've got the returns from New Hampshire. We've got whining coming from the returns from New Hampshire and a whole lot more besides. So buckle up, I'm John Adarola. Sharon Reed joins us once again. Sharon, it's always great to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, that, that stinger, that big Wednesday stinger was so big it gave me the chills. Yeah, I do love that one. Um, always a lot of fun. And you know what? Wednesdays, for some reason, they tend to deliver. And so we have a lot to talk about, um, not only about the election, but also uh, some of the fallout, um, maybe eventually literal fallout coming from the Supreme Court decision on the border, the, uh, the, the feud going on between the federal government and uh, Texas. And so we have a lot coming out of that. Kerry Lake unveiling a bribery plot. And seeming to, for once in a story, not be the worst person necessarily. But we'll debate that, we'll see. And um, AOC once again uh, being uh, discussed in incredibly pervy fashion by Fox News hosts who swear that they don't see her any different than they see anyone else in government. They just can't go five minutes without talking about her and sex, it's so weird. But anyway, we're gonna be discussing all that and more. So if you're on a platform that has a like button, Go ahead and hit it, you know, you might like it, it might be fun. And we're gonna jump to the news starting with this. This is a fantastic state, this is a great, great state. You know, we won New Hampshire three times now, three. three. We win it every time, we win the primary, we win the generals. Donald Trump is right that he won last night and he's also massively lying there. The guy lies when he loses and lies when he wins. You don't win the primaries and the generals there. When I heard him say that, I thought, well, that doesn't feel right. But why would you lie about that? That's This is your night of victory. But no, he lied. He didn't in 2020. He lost the general election in New Hampshire to Joe Biden. He didn't win it there. He lost it in 2016 to Hillary Clinton. And by the way, the polling right now has him down to Biden in New Hampshire in 2024, which is amazing because he's beaten Biden's ass all over the over the country. So why take a win? And you have to lie about it. You have to be an election denier, which is a topic that we will return to soon. But lies aside, he did win New Hampshire. He's now two for two. He won the caucus in Iowa. He won the primary in New Hampshire. Now, he is pitching this as a crushing victory, as we'll get to. But you can see there, he beat Nikki Haley by about 11 points. Nikki Haley is someone who simultaneously needed to do even better than this in New Hampshire. And also, if you told us six months ago that she would be down only 11 to Trump in New Hampshire and she would be the presumptive anti-Trump candidate, you know, I don't think anyone would have expected that. So we're living in weird times. Everybody is trying to spin this to their own advantage. Sharon, what do you make of what happened in New Hampshire last night? Um, I think it mostly went as expected. Of course, Nikki Haley does have some momentum and she handled herself well. But I also want to flag that even myself with that, that statement right there, she's escaping a lot of scrutiny here because of who she's left in this race with. As far as Donald Trump and not being able to tell the truth, um, I think he misspoke perhaps. Um, I don't think it necessarily cognitive, uh, but I do think there's a chance he thinks that there's an opportunity for him to open his own 
electoral college. I think he just he doesn't <laughs> understand how the system works here. Mm-hmm. But I do like that um, things are about to. I don't like that it's about to get uglier, as if it possibly can, but it is going to get uglier. Um, but I do think it's necessary to punch a bully in the mouth and go toe to toe and just kind of figure it out. By now, we're used to it and we can handle this. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I think you're being, first of all, I think you're being too generous to him. I don't think he misspoke. I think he's just lying. Like he he did a couple of weeks, he lied about Iowa. He, he implied that he had won Iowa every time when he lost to Ted Cruz in 2016. He just, he physically down to the cellular level can never admit that he didn't win, that he didn't succeed, that he's not the greatest and the best. He's just a massive, massive liar, but it is gonna get dirtier. Um, and also more combative, Nikki Haley has started criticizing Donald Trump this week, which I find to be a really fascinating strategy where she is criticizing the guy she's running against. It's such an amazing strategy. I think maybe one of them should have tried it before the second primary. But anyway, no, she is actually criticizing him and she's going to need to because as of right now, this was like her her best bet to you know notch a win. South Carolina, She's down fairly massively to him and we'll see about the other states, but it's not looking great on the national level for her. Um, So she is going to have to roll out some new attacks. So stay tuned for that. But before her attacks, we have Donald Trump's attacks because um, lest you believe that winning the primary would satisfy Donald Trump. No, he came out and rather than do the thing that he could do, which is Take a look at the national picture, see that he's almost certainly going to be the nominee and try to bring the party together. He spent his entire victory speech viciously attacking Nikki Haley. And not just the speech, he went home and then he started bleeding about Nikki Haley. And some of it is just petty and ridiculous and childish. We're to start with that, but it does get pretty dark. So on the night of his big win, He bleats, a very bad night for Nikki Bird Brain Haley, but not as bad as last week in Iowa when she came in a distant third. It wasn't a distant third, she was right below the second place. Next next week in the Nevada caucus, she didn't want to play because of her bad polling. She gets zero delegates, I get them all. Goes on to say, could somebody please explain to Nikki Haley that she lost and lost really badly. Crushing defeat. First, you beat her by 11 points. It's not a crushing defeat, buddy. And then finally, I'm only showing you three of these. You need to understand that there were many, many bleats about her, but Nikki came in last, not second. Well, she also came in second. Like, that's just how the order of things works. But it gets even pettier than the messages. I think this is the pettiest thing from last night. Take, take a look at this video. I felt I should do this because I find in life you can't let people get away with bullshit. Okay, you can't. You just can't do that. And when I watched her in the fancy dress that probably wasn't so fancy. What is going on? I like I'm I'm when I hear him say something like that that is so deeply weird that her dress is probably not not so fancy. I'm like what does that mean? Is that is there like a theory about something she did in a dress? Is there a QAnon thing? Is there a Nazi thing? 
Is it just him being creepy and weird and kind of pervy and weirdly focused on her fashion when he has literally never in his life once worn a suit that fit him even halfway decently? Um, or is it something darker than that? I don't know, Sharon. What, what do you think of these attacks? I think it's simple. He and Melania discussed the dress and the, they came to the consensus that Nikki Haley got it at Ross, which there's nothing wrong with that and it doesn't belong in that discussion, okay? I don't know why he's attacking her fashion as if he's a member of the fashion police. <laughs> well, maybe I do. It's because he doesn't want to address any policies, anything else, or why he's standing alongside really all of the Republican Washington establishment when he claims to be such an outsider. But that's all. He's saying she got it at Ross. And I I proudly, would, I wouldn't care if I got it at Ross, but apparently he does. It's just, it is such an incredibly immature and petty thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you know, it doesn't rank on the top 100 most, you know, terrifying thing that he's done in the last week or whatever. But like, but it, you're there, there are so, there are all these past like guys who were in, they had the ambitions that they were going to be present. They're standing behind the guy who's talking about her dress. There's an audience of people who are like, this is the guy who has been sent by God to save us. And he's talking about her dress. Do you think that that's who God chose? The dude who thinks her dress isn't fancy enough. But anyway, um, as I implied, it gets worse than that. You've got the petty Trump stuff, and then you have who he truly is. And he can only hide it, he can only tamp it down for so long. This is who he is. And just a little note to Nikki, she's not gonna win. <laughs> she's not gonna win. But if she did, she would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes. And I could tell you five reasons why already. Not big reasons, a little stuff that she doesn't want to talk about. But she will be under investigation within minutes. And so would Ron have been, but he decided to get out. He decided to get out. So that's, he's just threatening her. That's all it is. He's couching it as the deep state will come for her or whatever. But what is that? The five, the five, five things I could tell you. Little things she doesn't want you to know about. What are you talking about? First of all, let's be very clear. Let's cut through the weird mob boss-like threats. He means literally nothing. That is not a reference to anything, except he wants you to think that she is harboring crimes or whatever. It is designed to threaten her, not for the future to protect her against Joe Biden or whatever. He doesn't care about that. Nikki Haley has nothing to worry about from Joe Biden. That is him making threats and also like showing, look at Ron DeSantis, he would have been in real trouble, but he bent down and he kissed the knee and now I love him, he's great. I don't call him putting fingers at all or anything. And so this like, that's who they chose. The, the guy with the 91 indictments, the guy who routinely threatens, um, you know, basically everyone who stands up to him. And, and it's not just Nikki Haley. He was making these sorts of threats against Casey DeSantis, implying that he knew something about her. He always does this. With Ted Cruz, he was implying that there was something about Ted Cruz's wife that might come out or whatever. He did the same thing with Ron DeSantis. He is always making these never defined vague assertions that there's something lurking in the background that is a combination of projection because he knows what he has done in the past and just obvious threats. And why wouldn't he make these threats? The party apparatus can't do anything to reel him in. He's still got every other one of the people who ran against him, you know, clapping in the background and smiling like idiots. And we'll talk more about some of them, including Tim Scott and some of the stuff that he said. But Sharon, it's just, it's ridiculous that this continues. 
Like that there's no line that he can cross that will cause them, that will cause the base to turn against him. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. And it, it plays right into who he is. He's not a good student, not well read, doesn't really understand what's going on or sometimes where he is or who's the president running against him, where he is, what race he's in. But I think not only does it play to who he is, he has strategists, um, informal, formal, whatever, the two Steves, Miller, Bannon. They're cheering him on. They're saying, go for it, go for it, get nastier. And we'll keep coming up with little things that, as you said, they really don't mean anything, but they make you, they're gaslighting. He's a chief gaslighter. And we'll see, Nikki Haley seems the type that she'll not answer it, rise above it. But everything that he's projecting onto her are things that really hurt him. Things that he hates that people say about him. As you mentioned, a criminal under indictment, a cheater. The judge said rape. So these are things that will be projected. Maybe not the rape part, but there's some other things that I've talked about in the past that he'll be grudging up and doing and spinning and pretending. It's very yeah. sad, but it's look at your life, America. This is what we're doing. It seems similar to how he, you know, because he's facing all these investigations, because he can't go five minutes without breaking some law, some needless oh. criminal act. Um, he has to imply that Joe Biden has broken all of these laws. They have to, and and his supporters will always do the same. Like, rather than raising their standards for him, they just have to imply that everyone is as bad as one of the most brazen criminals in American political history. Um, and by the way, uh, you know, while everyone's trying to figure out what it is that Nikki Haley did that he could be alluding to, uh, within the next week or two. We're gonna find out how much Donald Trump owes to E. Jean Carroll for just some of the defamation and sexual abuse that he did. There's other defamation that will have to be adjudicated in courtrooms probably for the rest of his life because he's never gonna stop. And also we're gonna find out how much he owes in the civil fraud lawsuit in New York as well. So Donald Trump in the wake of winning Iowa and New Hampshire, and dominating the the states going forward could potentially be on the hook for literally hundreds of millions of dollars in civil penalties for a variety of different crimes, both personal and sexual, as well as business and fraud related. So that's fun. And what's more fun is it's not gonna hurt him at all. Like Nikki Haley can't even rely on the fact that he's gonna be just slammed with penalties over the next few weeks for the crimes that he committed. And it's not gonna hurt him. In fact, it might actually help him in the polls, Sharon, is ridiculous. It is ridiculous, it will help him. And I think he's, I honestly think the money's already stashed wherever, what money he has left. But the supporters and the super PACs or whatever, he'll figure out how to pay for it legally or not legally. But he is, we have to give credit to his devilish ways. He's number one, the winner of taking things that are horrific and turning them into an advantage. He is number one. I wish yeah. I had one of those fingers that they hold up at the games. What the, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking the about? Foam those finger. Foam, yes, because it, he's won. We, you won. Yeah, yeah. He has a singular ability in American history to take that everything point. that should take down a candidate, and he has convinced tens yeah. of millions of unfortunately just conned marks and gotten them to think that they're a good thing.
But when you look at the Republican Party, seven in 10 Nikki Haley voters said, I would not vote for Trump. There was a Des Moines Register poll, 43% said, no, I wouldn't vote for Trump. If I'm Trump, I sit back and I exclusively focus on the general election. I take the posture of a presumptive nominee. I focus on number one, uniting the party, and number two, winning the independence, which Nikki Haley won 55 to 39%. That's what I would do. Nikki Haley, I mean, the closest margin is 30% in the states ahead. For all intents and purposes, he's the presumptive nominee. So that is Kaylee McEnany, who served in Trump's administration four years, calls him the presumptive nominee, and is giving him advice that I think is objectively good advice. Stop just you know wrestling in the mud with Nikki Haley and making yourself look ridiculous. Just try to hold yourself with a little bit of gravitas, a little bit of respectability, bring the party together. Act like the winner you think you are. And he was, of course, enraged by this advice. He bleated about her. I don't need any advice from Rhino Kaylee McEnany on Fox, just had a giant victory over a badly failing candidate, Bird Brain. And she's telling me what I can do better. Save your advice for Nikki. I mean, her advice for Nikki appears to be to drop out because Trump is the presumptive nominee. All she did was cite polls. I know that you don't like polls that don't go your way, which means any poll that other than Rasmussen. But like, yeah, you have a lot of independents that don't like you. It's why Donald Trump, you are the candidate that Biden is most eager to run against. Kaylee McEnany wants Trump to beat Biden, and that is not good enough. It is not good enough to just support him. You have to rewrite reality to suit his whims. That is how you show loyalty to Donald Trump. It is by denying the evidence of your eyes and pretending that everything is exactly as he would have you believe that it is. Sharon. Well, here I see the former president's point. I have to tell you, she's turned on him. When she was under his wing, she told lies, as you said, and presented only the scenario and painted the picture that he wanted. Now that she's sort of on the outside, because again, she's at Fox. She is citing, I guess those were factual things, these polls. And he cannot recognize that she's also telling him to raise the EQ, the emotional quotient, and stop being your own worst enemy. So again, maybe it is cognitive. He's not understanding why people who he recognized in the past are suddenly strangers to him. Mm -hmm. uh, I would. Also point out, sort of to buttress kind of what Kaylee McEnany is saying, um, Nikki Haley, who we said is, you know, she's rolling out more attacks against Trump than she has before. And damn, did she wait a long time to do it. But uh, during her, it's not even really a concession speech last night, she tried to portray herself as kind of the winner anyway. Um, she said that one thing that is like, it's the, the you know, the, the, the most obvious but unstated truth about Donald Trump is that he loses constantly and he causes Republicans to lose. He didn't win the, you know, the popular vote in 2016, but squeaked through, that's fine. And then in 2020, he lost and uh, he hurt them in 2018 and he hurt them in 2022 and, and not by accident. By choice, by a combination of incompetence and horrible strategy. He cost the Republicans the House, he cost them the Senate. He puts up terrible candidates that almost any other Republican would win if it wasn't his hand chosen candidate. And she pointed that out. And she also pointed out 
that Joe Biden and the Democrats desperately want him to be the nominee because he's the only Republican that Joe Biden has a chance of winning. And I think that she should focus on that more because it seems pretty true if you look at the polling. And he hates that and Republicans hate to admit that. They they have to see him not just as their preferred candidate, but as the objectively strong candidate. And it's just, it's not borne out by the evidence. But I would say to Nikki Haley, that is the sort of thing that you should have been focusing on for a really long time. I don't think it'll work because you cannot get his base to, to take a look, not just at like an argument that like might bear on the future, but literally the evidence of the last elections because he has been so successful in convincing them that he cannot by definition lose. And that if he loses, he was robbed and you know, by proxy they were robbed. And whether it's the 2020 election or 2016 in Iowa, he can never lose. He can never be guilty of the thing he's being charged of. And they have not found a way to crack through that protective bubble around Donald Trump. Any other thoughts, Sharon? Wizard of Oz curtain, it will never be peeled back. For some, it, it's just not going to happen. And you're right that Nikki Haley should focus exclusively on that fact. Because when she uttered it, and I, I watched and I listened closely, it really gave me chills. It's true. If she is in the general election and Donald Trump is, I don't know, locked up or committed somewhere, that this thing is on. There's a, there's a big problem for the other side, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like I look. Do I, I am very uncomfortable with Joe Biden going up against Donald Trump because if Biden loses and he definitely could lose, the consequences are measurably worse than they would be if it was a Nikki Haley or something like that. Yeah. Um, the conversation is a little bit more nuanced with someone like Rod DeSantis, but if it's like Nikki Haley, like that's terrible in a lot of ways, but not nearly as bad. But in terms of just the raw numbers, yeah, no, obviously he polls the worst. Like you could put, you could put any random like, Minnesota GOP state senator, and he'd be polling better than than Donald Trump against Joe Biden because he'd have a chance of winning over some of the anti-Trump Republicans and some independents, and Trump doesn't have that chance. Now that said, I want to end with this is not about Trump. This is about what Trump has normalized, the sort of people that Trump has emboldened. Just take a look at this smug little bit of video. This is for him to sweep those first three states. It's pretty decisive. Last point, this is a democracy, a constitutional republic. We must respect the will of the people. And Nikki Haley can't become an election denier. She's been rejected. She can say tonight she came in second or you can say she came in last. She's so happy with herself. And lots of people online like seeing that tweeted out were like, hey, but he rejected the 2020 election. No, she knows. That's what she's doing there. That's the game that she's playing. Ha ha ha. He was he didn't actually get in trouble for denying the results of an election trying to overthrow American democracy. So now we get to say that she's a dire, even though she isn't denying the result of New Hampshire. I don't even it doesn't even make any sense. Oh, also, by the way, Donald Trump in winning denied the results of the last general elections in New Hampshire going back to 2016. So he is doing exactly still what she is implying that Nikki Haley might, but it doesn't matter. They don't need to make sense. What they say doesn't have to be true. If Donald Trump gets in power, they can do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want and they delight in not having to make sense and not having to speak honestly. That is what they are freed up to do by their proximity and power to this fascist madman. 
They can say whatever they want, and that's what his base loves too. They don't want to do the research and understand what's going on and speak reasonably about the world. They want to say whatever they like to say and have that be as good as reason because Donald Trump is in power. That's why they're so eager for him to be president again. So anyway, it's just it was smug and it was smarmy, and I hate it, Sharon. What do you think? Alternative facts, it's a thing and it's not going away. And you're right about the supporters, they know better, but they wanna live in this fantastic bubble. And when you say, look, I have a few facts for you, they take off like Usain Bolt and they don't wanna hear it. So you can't catch them, can't yeah. catch them, alternative facts. Here's a, here's a fun alternative, and I love the reference, alternative facts. Here's another alternative fact for you. So frequently, people will deny the results of an election that has happened. It is rare that they deny the results of an election that has not happened yet. But Donald Trump bleated, we just won Nevada, which is amazing and unprecedented <laughs> in American politics. He won Nevada. Which, by the way, their caucus will take place on February 8th, and their presidential primary will take place on February 6th. Early voting doesn't even start for three more days, but he won. But Nikki Haley is the election denier. Isn't that fun, the way all that works out? Madness, we live in mad times. Anyway, we're gonna set aside this election. We're gonna take a short break. When we come back, we're gonna take a look at the border and what could become a civil war, so buckle up. Okay, we've got some big news to get into with some dark implications. Everyone buckle up as we launch into this. The Supreme Court has come out with their decision in the battle between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and President Biden over immigration enforcement. So basically, who has the authority when it comes to how immigration law is executed? Well, if you ask the Constitution, it's not an open question. And thankfully, the Supreme Court actually decided to go with that document, which they haven't been big fans of in the past few years. Here's the bad thing though, while they did rule for President Biden and the federal government, the president's authority on topics of immigration, the decision was 5-4. One more vote the other way, and we would throw out hundreds of years of precedent about who has the authority in this area. And so that could potentially be coming up. In this case, John Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett joined the liberals. So thank you, Amy Coney Barrett. <laughs> but anyway, the particular topic that they're talking about here is whether federal officials can cut or remove parts of the concertina wire barrier that had been placed along the Mexico border with Texas to keep migrants from crossing into the state. But obviously the ruling will be interpreted as going beyond that. In response to this, Governor Abbott argued, quote, the absence of razor wire and other deterrent strategies encourages migrants to make unsafe and illegal crossings between ports of entry. And this is a consistent position for Governor Abbott, like with the the razor blade lined floating barriers. This is a guy who really believes that every migrant would be better off if they were bleeding out on the border with Texas. Whether it's on land or in the water, their skin needs to be separated from itself. The the life force needs to leak out. Look, really, the reason I, I focus on this is this is a guy who would swear that he is a Christian, that he believe, he believes deeply, strongly held religious beliefs. And he is working harder than maybe anyone else in the country to kill migrants as they cross the border. 
to mutilate them, viciously injure them, perhaps kill them. And some have already been killed on the barriers that he has put up there. So uh, that's a lot of fun. But anyway, um, just because the Supreme Court decided this, and just because the Supreme Court is by definition supreme, do not expect that that is the end of this. Because according to a DPS spokesperson for Texas, uh, they still consider themselves to have a lot of authority here. Take a look. I just got back from Eagle Pass last night to kind of get a you know, rundown of what's happening and what's going to take place with this whole Supreme Court decision. And nothing has changed, at least on our end, with DPS and National Guard. And in fact, you know, National Guard is installing more barriers, more uh, Constantino wire, more fencing along the river uh, to make it more challenging and try to discourage illegal border crossing. So um, Texas is not backing down. I love that they don't have the balls to even just admit to kill more people as they're crossing. We think that more people should die in the crossing and that should utterly horrify anyone who thinks about crossing. They don't have the balls to actually do that. Um, but anyway, Sharon, that is uh, an official saying, we're, we're still doing what we're doing. The Supreme Court can yeah. say whatever they want, we don't care. And the fact that it's stacked with conservatives, that's convenient when it's convenient. But when they rule against us, we don't care. Where are their armies, I guess, what I do you froze. think? I froze it, it really just the 5-4. This we, we've entered absurdity and we've existed here for a very long time. And what they're saying is we will break the law. It's a good thing they're not a doctor in Texas trying to perform an abortion to save a patient's life, a patient whose life depends on it, because then they would be immediately jailed, tried for murder. Okay? This is wrong. Remember, we had the on the Rio Grande, a woman, two children, dead. None of this matters, and I don't think it's satire or rhetoric. I think the things that you offered are exactly right. He wants to kill more of these people because he doesn't see them as human beings. Yeah, and honestly, like, look, he's really focused on bladed weapons being applied to migrants, but he's you know arguably not the most bloodthirsty. Ron DeSantis is. Like he cannot wait to talk to you about his plan to start shooting migrants. Like he is super excited for that. And Donald Trump just wants to separate all the families and store, you know, hundreds of thousands of migrants along the border in literal concentration camps. So which is the worst? I don't know. But I do, I just, I find it so ironic that like if you can get through the mounds of concertina wire and blades and all of that, then you might be lucky enough to get into Texas, a state that is pro-life. It's ridiculous, our politics. But in any event, while that DPS official is implying that they are not going to abide by this, there are those in right-wing media that are really angry that the Supreme Court didn't give them what they want and have wild aspirations, I guess, for where this thing could go in the future. Take a look at this. The break-ins, the looting, the murder, the rapes, the arson. It's just, by the way, this is just getting warmed up. You got 15,000 fighting age males that are getting deployed all across the country. Native born Americans, you better buy weapons, everybody. Have a lot of guns at your disposal. I would never leave your home without a weapon. What happens when federal agents try to destroy border fencing and state troopers stand in their way? Does Biden send in the military at that point? These might not be hypothetical questions for long. The last civil war was unimaginable. Until it wasn't. That was a lesson this country learned in the middle of the 19th century. And if the Biden administration is somehow still in office after this next election, then just as abruptly, we might have to learn it again. So nobody should be surprised by this. The Supreme Court, in this one case, 
rules against Texas says that the federal government should continue as it has always had, had the authority on these topics. And these guys are immediately jumping to, we need to start killing people. For Charlie Kirk, he wants it to be personal. He wants people living in Texas or I don't know, Michigan or whatever to get guns. And if you see someone that you think might be a migrant, you just shoot them, you just kill them. You'll probably end up going to jail, but Charlie Kirk won't, he'll be fine. He's a millionaire, he's paid by wealthy people to tell you to commit murder and spend the rest of your life behind bars. For Matt Walsh, that's that's small potatoes, he doesn't want an individual migrant to be killed. He wants the National Guard of Texas to turn on the federal government. He wants another civil war. He wants hundreds of thousands of people on each side to be shooting each other. Now in both cases, they're not gonna be anywhere near this. As the second civil war royals across America, Matt Walsh is gonna be sitting in his studio with a microphone in one hand and his micro penis in the other. He's not gonna actually shed any blood. He's certainly not gonna risk his own life. As always, they're horny for other people to die so that they can make interesting bombastic content. That is what the the, li- the lives of their followers are worth. It's worth some clicks, I suppose. So I don't think it's gonna come to that. I assume that Texas is going to back down, but Sharon, what do you think? No one was considering civil war. These weren't questions until they drew them up for their content and put them out there to incite the masses and these MAGA, supporters and these people, they got all riled up about things that really aren't happening, aren't happening in significant numbers. I think that this is a real problem and you're right. Just like the insurrectionists who drew up the plans, tried to stay far, far away from it. They will get people to do these things and face the consequences. By the way, so we we focus, I think, on those who have the most influence. You know, they have audiences or whatever. Um, but no, elected officials are they they feel much the same way. Representative Clay, Clay Higgins is saying, uh, "My thoughts are that the feds are staging a civil war and Texas should stand their ground." So look at the twisted logic there. The Supreme Court says no, as always, the federal government is in charge of immigration law. That's a civil war, even though it's mostly conservatives who are deciding that. That's a civil war. So Texas should stand their ground. Again, hiding behind euphemisms, these freaking cowards, Texas should start killing federal officers. If you know federal immigration officers come in, Texas should shoot them and kill them. And that won't be civil war. No, the fact that there would be a continuation of the status quo in immigration law, that's the civil war to him. Um, Representative Mike Collins is, is citing uh, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution saying the US shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion. So I guess. Because migrants are crossing the border, as migrants have always crossed the border, always under Democrats, under Republicans, it's now an invasion. And so, I don't know, they're not following the Constitution, so maybe the tree of liberty needs to be watered with the blood of tyrants. Again, all these people are so desperate for civil war and never forget why, because they don't want to govern. They need you to be so distracted by trans high school swimmers or the possibility that we're gonna bomb the White House that you don't realize that they're stopping you from having health insurance. Okay, everyone, buckle up as we launch into this. There are very powerful people that wanna keep you out. Oh no, they do. But they're willing to put their money where their mouth is in a big way. So, this conversation never happened. Is there a number at which I can be bought? <laughs> Not be bought. 
That's what it's about. You can take a pause for a couple of years. No. And they go right back to what you're doing. No. 10 million, 20 million, 30, no, no, no. A billion, no. Now that is dramatic. Leaked audio recording of uh, not only Carrie Lake, obviously notable MAGA figure, and the GOP chair of Arizona, Jeff DeWitt, fairly clearly trying to bribe her into not running for office. So that much is clear. There are things about the video that are not immediately clear. So for instance, who recorded it? I mean, he might have, doesn't make any sense. Uh, she might have. And that might explain why she is answering in the most upstanding way imaginable. Maybe she knows that they're being recorded. But regardless, and while I think it's fair to criticize her in some ways, she is attempting to be bribed by this guy. This guy seems to think that either on his behalf or they're these donors that they need to get her out. And it gets even more clear in the continuation of the audio, which you'll see here. So what do they want? What do they want me to do? You want to stay out for two years. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I can offer you. The ask I got today from back east was, this is us. Is there any companies out there or something that could just put her on the payroll and give her to keep her out? And I said, well, what do you want to do? Whatever we need to do. This is about defeating Trump. And I think that's a bad, bad thing for our country. It's a, it's a backstretching club. That's all DC is. It's a big mm -hmm. backstretching club. You're in no, you're in no position to scratch anybody's back, and you've already made it known that if you get there, you're not going to scratch anybody's back. This is amazing. So look, top level analysis. They're trying to bribe her to get out. She's going to call for him to resign, which. Yeah, maybe he should resign after this, or at the very least, he should come out like Roger Stone and just say that it was deep faked or whatever. Because you can just say that now; you don't have to have evidence. You could just say it. But um, I look, I have no doubt that this sort of thing happens a lot. It's dirty, and and I like that she stood up to it. That she's not going to be bribed out of this thing. She's going to do it the traditional way, which is run for office to get power so that you can be paid way more than the value of the work that you're doing and inevitably go work as a lobbyist or something or get paid to write a book or give speeches or whatever. You're supposed to be corrupt in that way. This is underhanded. But anyway, Sharon, what, what do you make of this? Well, it's integrity and I think you're right. Carrie Lake is showing integrity in a recording that of course, of course, my opinion, she made it and then leaked it. and said all the right things, but integrity until you don't wish to have integrity anymore, until it benefits you in some other way. But I will say this, everyone in politics, all sides, I shouldn't say everyone, all sides are capable of this. Whether it's you know Bernie versus Hillary and underhanded things going on and trying to manipulate people and control who's in, who's out instead of letting people decide. So she has perhaps sort of kind of maybe done a service here. And so maybe we just have to take the teaspoonful until she upends it with her next move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I look, I would love if this was like the beginning of a turn for Carrie Lake where she's really gonna focus <laughs> on corruption and backroom deal. No, it benefits her to put this out. And by the way, criticizing in this way, doesn't mean that she's the bad guy here. The guy trying to bribe her out of the race is the bad guy. Let's, yeah. let's all be clear about that. But let's also be clear, 
She knew on some level that that's what the conversation was going to be. So she came in and taped it and was very careful with everything that she said so that she would come out looking like an, a squeaky clean angel. Um, so let's just be clear about that. And and the I think the biggest demonstration of it is it's not that she turned it down. Maybe she really doesn't want the job. Maybe she really like she feels like her duty is to run for office again and get absolutely destroyed like the last time. Maybe that's what she thinks. But when she throws in like, this is about defeating Donald Trump. No, it's not. What are you talking about? What does that have to do with it? She just liked that when the video gets leaked, she's gonna be standing up for Trump. And even though it has nothing to do with Trump, it has to do with you and your future. And by the way, why do you think they're trying to bribe you out of this thing? Once you get in office, you're just gonna vote for whatever Trump wants you to anyway. All of these senators, they they line up behind what Donald Trump wants. No, they don't think you're gonna be able to win. They think they can bribe you out and that effectively might buy them a win in the race, a race that they want to and need to win in this cycle. But then also, they, I wouldn't do it for a million, 20 million, <laughs> a billion dollars. Who talks like that? Integrity. Who talks like that if they don't think that the audio is going to be leaked? It is so fake. And I would add to the list of jobs she's not qualified for. You've got politician, actress, I think would be the next no. one. But what do you think, Sharon? I don't know. I mean, with a little coaching, some work, I know some good acting coaches. She could step her game up here. Um, I think the other part of it is, yes, yeah, if she got in, she would just do whatever Donald Trump said. If Carrie Lake were to jump in, she would, like you said, just be destroyed each and every time. They need something to look forward to. And there's not much if she's all you got. But to taking a hit, taking a sledgehammer to her acting skills, I think is a bridge too far, Don. I do. Yeah. I think there's some, I do <laughs> think that there's some, some talent there that they can work with. Okay, she hasn't, first we know, had one class, although she was a local news anchor. That's true. Okay. Okay. She is a better actress than okay. she is a candidate. All right. Now see, was um, that so hard? It wasn't. It wasn't. Anyway, <laughs> look, I see people in the chat, they're like, how do you think this is real? Well, he's not even, I don't even think he's claiming that it was faked, like to be clear. So <laughs> Like I'm not saying he's necessarily going to step down or whatever, but I don't think he's even <laughs> denying that it happened. So look, if it turns out that she deep faked it, that's fine. That seems like a bridge too far even for Carrie Lake. I guess it's not impossible. When AOC happily psychoanalyzes groups of people, then it's an invitation to return the favor, right? If she can do it, she's saying that people who support Trump are projecting their masculine insecurity. But isn't she saying that because of her own insecurities about her boyfriend's masculinity, right? She must realize how soft and buttery and feminine progressive males are. And it's hard to get horny with a snowflake. So it's why, and I think this is why she is so pro illegal immigration. She's projecting her secret desires for young, virile men who are coming here in droves and she's stuck with pajama boy and it's driving her crazy. All these Trump supporters, men, MMA fighters, drives her nuts. Yeah, so that was obviously one of the most disgusting things I think that I've seen on Fox News. Every bit of it disgusting. Everything that Greg Gutfeld said, a guy who has not spent five minutes since she entered you know, public office not thinking about her in a sexual fashion. The fact that you had the people around the table, including women, 
laughing at the jokes that this comedian was telling. That was disgusting. Um, that said, let's put it in context. So what is it that led Greg Gutfeld to talk in such a disgusting fashion about a sitting congresswoman? Here it is. Donald Trump is what you actually get when you want a politician to embody all of like your hopes and dreams and like caricatures of yourself. Yes. And Donald Trump affirms insecure men's idea of masculinity. Yes. They affirm insecure people's idea of wealth. Internalized misogyny. Yeah, in mm-hmm. insecure white folks idea of race. Greg, I want to start with you because this infuriates me. So they hate that she pointed out what the grift is. Not just that Donald Trump appeals to those insecurities, but it is their job to create those insecurities. Every right wing man attempts to destroy the self esteem of other right wing men in their audience to get them to constantly be terrified about whether they're alpha enough, whether they're masculine enough. All of them try to instill in their white listeners and viewers a feeling of like, oh God, are white people being attacked? They they are they are an insecurity creation machine. That is what they produce. They break down and deconstruct these people so they will be desperate for a solution. Some strong alpha man who is going to make them feel safe and secure again. And they don't like that AOC so concisely broke down exactly what the grift was. That's my view, Sharon, what do you think? I wanted to throw up when he uttered soft and buttery. Okay, that was the first thing. The second thing is Judge Janine is always infuriated, so whatever. But (laughs) in their view, AOC earned the misogyny and the sexism and the filth, the piggery. Because she peeled the curtain back and did exactly what you described. She just gave the blueprint of what's going on here to try to enlighten people, educate people if they if they choose to be. And so for that, she is further cast as this object, this sexual being. And it's just so gross. It's just so gross. It makes her more of a target, which I think they also intend for people to mistreat her even do harm to her. I really think it, yeah. it's not too much to say that. Yeah, no, they, they, they want her to be raped. They want her to be assaulted. Yes. They want her to be murdered. Yes. That's what they want. Or at the very least, they're not worried about it at all. That's yeah. what they want. Um, and and by, then they want to the blame it on someone crossing the border, right? That's what yeah, they really want to do. A hundred percent. And they they just, like she points out their like sexual frustration or whatever. <laughs> like. They are obsessed with women. My God, they are like some of them theoretically have had sex in their life, or maybe are even married. They've been able to delude some woman into shackling themselves to uh. it. But they still have that fundamental seed of incel ship. The belief that I didn't get the women I wanted when I was younger. They all owed me what I wanted. And so the suspicion and the misogyny and all that, they they can't hide it and they don't need to hide it because the base that they're playing to feels the same thing. So they just, they reveal themselves, they expose themselves psychologically. Um, on on Piro, we didn't hear much from her, but I would correct her, uh, Janine Piro. It's pronounced I'm intoxicated, not infuriated, um, but anyway. <laughs> This is, of course, not the first time that Gutfeld has done this. Even Matt Gates called out Fox hosts for overly sexualizing AOC. And when he did that, Greg Gutfeld said that he would stop doing it. Now, obviously, he couldn't stick to that. He knows his audience, and so he's right back there doing it again. But just really fast, I, I, re- I remembered when I saw this. 
I remembered someone criticizing AOC saying like, you try to make it seem as if all these men want you, why would you say that? And then I was able to find it actually, because she had at one point posted an image. She was on vacation with her boyfriend and nothing infuriates these people more than that there is a guy who is not them that is with AOC. And it was an image and they could not stop talking about it and tweeting about it and all that. And so she posted some messages, including this, we can put up the tweet, criticizing them for that, saying these people clearly need therapy, won't do it and use politics as their outlet instead, it's really weird. She talks about their deranged sexual frustrations and all that. And it's totally true, and coming out of that, Candace Owens attacked her saying that it was immature. I don't wanna sleep with you, that's not why people criticize you. Well, maybe that's not why Candace Owens criticizes her. But for the men, it sure seems to be a big part of it. That's what I would say. Any other thoughts, Sharon? What you said times 10, they want to be her or they want to be with her. And so it's really stalking. It's in every sense of the word, they're stalking her, they're hunting her. She excites them in these ways. And so even though they're projecting this hate upon her, the truth is they want her. I would love to have one of Carrie Lake's recordings, secret recording. If one of them, if Greg and AOC, oh well, I fear for her safety, were in an elevator. And oh. I just want, and, and if she just allowed him just a little bit of conversation, because really, is it even worth it? Because I think they really do envy and admire and are intoxicated by her. And it's something that perhaps they've never seen before the intelligence, yeah. the beauty, all of it. They have to have it. Yeah, they and 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 not only are, do they feel these things, but they want all of their followers to only see her through that lens, mm-hmm. to only see women through that lens. They don't want there to be space for the men to say, "Oh, this is a woman who has accomplished amazing things at a young age, who shows a remarkable depth of understanding of a broad base of different policies, who actually cares about representing her constituents and tries to actually do that." There's not supposed to be aspirational figures like that, especially not women. And so, no, don't think of her in that way. Just think of her as she's she's a person who wants to get horny for immigrants or something. Like that is what they they have their own personal grievances, their own personal issues, but they also do not want the men in their party to wake up to the idea that hey, maybe we'd all be better off if we gave women the opportunities and respect that they deserve. Anyway, with that said, that's all the time we have for the first hour of the show. Thank you all for being here. Much more to come in the aftermath, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 